the herbalist is first and foremost and forever a student of nature. There is no right way to be an herbalist. There is no wrong way to be an herbalist. Each person's plant path is unique. No one practices herbalism the way another person does. From the home herbalist to the clinical practitioner to everything in between, plant medicine is truly the people's medicine. Herbalism is your ancestral birthright. It is only in the last few generations that technocratic medicine and grocery stores have replaced people's need to know and work with the green-blooded beings that have been in symbiotic relationship with humans since the dawn of time. That you are here today is proof of your ancestors' plant knowledge and medicine ways. They were able to keep themselves and their children alive long enough, generation after generation, to get to you today. If you're feeling called to work with plants, that's because your bones remember this. I've given this a lot of thought in my 15 years of herbal wanderings. I've also thought a lot about the myriad and profound ways that walking the plant path has bettered my life. And out of that thought process, I've recorded a special outro for this episode about the main five ways that herbalism has bettered my life. So my top five reasons to be an herbalist. So be sure to stick around after the interview for that short and fun list. I am Amber Magnolia Hill, and this is episode 62 of Medicine Stories, where we are remembering what it is to be human upon the earth. Today I'm sharing my second interview with Sage Popham. The first one came out years ago, episode 17. Sage shares my life mission of welcoming people onto the plant path, and he has helped thousands of people find their unique place along this plant path and has been one of my most important teachers. So I'm really honored and happy to have him back and to share this with you. Seja and his wife, Whitney, have generously donated a really awesome bonus um, for the Patreon supporters of this podcast at patreon.com slash medicine stories. This is, of course, available for only $2. And in the spirit of encouraging people who are stepping into herbalism or maybe who have been in the herbal world for a long time, um, I found this really helpful. It's called Pathways to Herbal Mastery. So it's an hour plus video plus a PDF download to help guide you towards optimizing your herbal studies. Among the many things included in the PDF are some questions for reflection to help you gauge where you're at on your plant path and therefore show you um, what to focus on to move forward most effectively. I really loved those questions. And another thing that this includes is a very long list of book recommendations. And I'm just going to read the categories of books. And there's tons of books under each category because I thought these were so cool. The Intelligence of Nature and Plant Consciousness, Holistic Herbal Theory and Practice, Holistic Evaluation, Assessment and Seeing Clients, Herbal Medicine Making, Plant Constituents and Pharmacognosy, Materia Medica, Herbal Formulation, Other Interesting Books About Plants, Alchemy, Spagyrics, Hermetics, and Astrology and Medical Astrology. 
So you know I love providing resources and resource lists for people. You know I want you all reading more books. Um, So I was stoked to read Sage's list of most recommended herb books. It's pretty epic. Uh, While you're there on Patreon, you can go back to the first Patreon offering from Sage and Whitney on the multidimensional medicine of calendula. Calendula is a staple herb used in folk medicine all around the world, and its uses are many. This beautiful 26-page PDF download is a treasure trove that covers a vast amount of both practical and esoteric information about one of herbalism's brightest stars. So you can find that if you go back or there's like uh, category lists, you know, tags. You can find sagepopum or herbalism, and you'll be able to find that. So Sage Popham, founder of Organic Unity and the School of Evolutionary Herbalism, is a student of the universal truths found within both ancient and modern herbal traditions from around the world. The focus of his work is on integrating ancient teachings for a new paradigm of plant medicine, one that is truly holistic in its honoring of the spirit, energetics, and body of both people and plants. His unique synthesis bridges herbalism not only east and west, but north and south, above and below, into a universal philosophy that encompasses indigenous folk wisdom, Ayurveda, Western alchemy and spagyrics, astrology, clinical herbalism, and modern pharmacology. Sage's vitalist approach utilizes plants not only for physiological healing and rejuvenation, but for the evolution of consciousness, for a truly holistic practice of plant medicine. Sages teaches embody a heartfelt respect, honor, and reverence for the vast intelligence of plants in a way that empowers us to look deeper into the nature of our medicine and ourselves. Um, so remember to listen all the way to the end to get my top five reasons to be an herbalist. And before we jump in, if you have never heard the word allopathic before, which Sage uses a number of times here, it just means conventional allopathic medicine is conventional medicine. So I'm so excited to share this. Y'all are going to love it. Seja is a genius, basically. So let's get into this interview with Seja Popham. Okay. Hi, Seja. Welcome back to Medicine Stories. Hey, thanks for having me again, Amber. Yeah, our first um, conversation was just so rich and potent, and people really loved it. And I love, I love having you back on. I think of you as really like the leader in my generation of herbalists. Um, the most, mm-hmm. I don't like intelligent, accomplished um, person in this generation, and really especially appreciate the way that you synthesize such big ideas in herbalism and bring them all together for people in such an easily understandable way. So thank you for your work. And I'm really glad to have you back. Oh, well, thank you very much, Amber. I really appreciate the kind, the kind words like that. Yeah, it's, they're true. (laughs) Um, So I think as you know, there are just so many people called to the plant path right now. It really has just exploded in the last 10 years or so. I remember sitting in class with Matthew Wood, who I know is your main teacher and a friend of yours. And he was talking about, you know, the evolution of herbalism in America over, you know, the last 50 years or something and how it was just so underground and radical for so long. And now it's just everywhere and people are really feeling pulled to 
re-engage with the plants. So I'm curious mm-hmm. what what you think that's all about. What what is it that's happening in the collective and humanity right now that's calling people back to this ancient way of life? Yeah, uh, that's a really great question. I, I feel like there's so many factors involved there. You know, I mean, I think um, from more of a, I guess more of a cultural orientation and kind of practical aspect of herbal medicine, I think a lot of people are starting to realize that, you know, um, conventional allopathic medicine doesn't always have the answers. Um, it's kind of seen as been seen as this, you know, glorious achievement of humanity, you know, modern medicine. And, and it is amazing, you know, we're doing amazing things in modern medicine and the way, um, technology has allowed us to, to improve health in a lot of ways. But I think when it comes to the pharmaceutical side of things and over the counter drug side of things, um, there's a lot lacking there. And I think a lot of people are realizing that, their health um, isn't necessarily improving with uh, the drugs that they're taking. And so I think one aspect of the movement to herbal medicine is a realization that there is a healthier alternative to over-the-counter and pharmaceutical medication, that ultimately those medications are derived from plants, but the plants are much more compatible with the human organism and have uh, an intelligence there um, that we, we don't see in a lot of chemically produced medicines. And I, and I say that too, from a place of non-judgment as well. You know, this is, I'm saying this from a, from a place of my life has been saved by conventional medicine. My family's lives have been saved by conventional medicine. So I don't say that in a way that's judgmental. Sometimes people need to be on certain, uh, medications for their health. And, and I think that's totally fine, but I think, there's a lot of ways that there can be middle ground achieved between, uh, you know, conventional drug therapies and things like that with with plant medicine as well. So I think there's there's that side of it. And then I think there's a little bit more of an esoteric side of why people are being drawn to plant medicine these days. And I think it's an aspect of I think it's something more of the soul. I think it's something more of the striving within the human being to feel connected to uh, the earth, the need that we have to have a relationship to life other than human, uh, and how we see our, our, our world has become so disconnected from the earth. And I think um, we're seeing the repercussions of that on the health of the ecosystem, the health of the planet as a whole, um, as well as our own health. And I think a lot more people, many more people are being called to plant medicine to re-establish that uh, relationship and connection to the earth, to non-human life, to uh, the ecosystem of where we live and how all those things come together to really influence our health, not just physiologically, but psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, and uh, there, I think there's this reconnection that's happening um, that I think is really important for us as a species, really, um, to be able to not just survive, but thrive uh, during some pretty huge times that we're living in right now. Um, so those are some of the few things why I think a lot of people are being called to uh, the path of herbal medicine these days. 
Yeah, agreed. There's the failure of modern medicine to address many health issues. And then I recently heard this idea that, you know, our the people alive today, none of our ancestors lived on the same earth or in the same culture that we're living in. Like we don't have the capacity to fully understand the times that we're living. It's very discombobulating being alive right now. Things are changing mm. so rapidly in ways that we can't understand because this we didn't evolve with the technology and with the overpopulation and everything else that's facing us today. So I'm kind of seeing like this call to the plants as just a way to ground, literally, you know, to ground back into what it means to be human upon the earth. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And it just, it's such a simple thing to do, right? I, I think we can almost kind of like over-spiritualize the earth, you know, but it's like, it's just the earth. It's just like, <laughs> just the ground beneath your feet. And it's really not, it's not hard to come into relationship with the earth or with the plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not some endeavor that's beyond you. You know, it's, it's, it's very much within you to do this. So I know that so many of my listeners are just being called to herbalism, just starting to figure out how to reweave that connection and what their individual plant path is going to look like. So I'm curious what you see as like the biggest myth in herbalism, the biggest mistake that newcomers are likely to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and it, and it's a question that I'm actually really passionate about because it's uh, something that I, you know, that have found myself doing as well on my plant path. And, and I think there's a few things that a lot of herbalists maybe don't realize that they're doing um, in terms of their overall kind of mindset and approach to herbs. And I think one of the biggest things here is this concept that I refer to as allopathic herbalism. And I, I think I think one of the biggest myths out there is that people think, you know, I I am using a plant, therefore I am holistic, right? Um, we think that there's this difference between allopathic medicine and holistic medicine is based on you know, what type of remedy you use, you know, oh, you're allopathic if you take a drug and you're holistic if you take an herb or a homeopathic remedy or something like that. Um, but it's just that that's really not true. <laughs> um, really, the difference between an allopathic approach and a holistic approach isn't what type of medicine you use, but how you use that type of medicine, right? Uh, you know, most people have heard of, you know, and I think one of the biggest traps here is, is the use this herb for that symptom kind of mindset, right? Um, we tend to, it's easy to approach herbs in the same way that we approach, um, drugs, right? Of, oh, I have this symptom. And if I take this drug, then it'll take that symptom away. And then we apply that type of thinking, to plants and unfortunately it just doesn't work right i mean you can have you know five people that all have joint pain and you know you give them all turmeric and some people it's going to really help them and some people it's not going to do anything and some people it actually might make it a little worse why is that well it's because plants aren't just working on 
symptoms, right? So plants aren't just um, vehicles for biochemical constituents. You know, plants have a whole way of acting upon the human organism that is not just chemical, it's it's what most herbal traditions would refer to as energetic or ecological, right? That we have, as a human being, we have our body is not just a machine, it's not a whole bunch of gears working together, it's not mechanistic, it's, it's, it's a vital ecology, right? That the human being is a reflection of nature. And what is nature? Well, nature is ecosystems. Nature is the weather, right? And those same aspects of ecosystems and weather and seasons all determine the state of our body. And if we think of plants, well, plants grow in nature, right? They grow in ecosystems. They, they, they grow and they thrive and they leaf and they flower and they fruit and they root and all according to the seasons and the sun and the moon and the stars and the way the earth is turning. That's what generates the life of these plants. And so the way a plant heals us isn't just through, you know, curcumin or, you know, saponins or alkaloids. It's there's there's much more to the plant than the chemical, and and from more tradition traditional approaches to herbal medicine. You know, before they even had a concept of plant chemistry or pharmacology and things like that, people have been using medicinal plants to heal people. And I think it's really important to understand that those traditions have been around a lot longer than science a lot longer than modern pharmacology and and people have successfully used plants to heal people through more of this ecological or energetic approach to understanding a plant and so you know thinking of that that turmeric you know you think of turmeric well when you know when you eat that root it's got it's very spicy you know it's pungent it has a lot of the volatile oils and they're very warming and that kind of heats up your stomach and it moves your blood you know it's also really astringent you know if anyone's ever taken like just turmeric powder and some water or something like that you get your dries your mouth out right you get really dry from it um and so they say that's kind of the energetics of that turmeric it's like very warming and it's very drying and so you know you get someone that's got that arthritis or that joint pain that inflammation that maybe they're really maybe cold you know they got really pale skin and they're really cold and you know their joint pain flares up when it gets really cloudy and rainy and wet and damp outside you know they'd say they have like a damp pattern in their system a cold damp pattern in their system and you take that turmeric that yes, it's going to, you know, biochemically lower inflammation, but ecologically, right, the ecosystem and the body and the ecosystem of the plant, it, it works together in a way that it balances that constitutional factor within a person. Whereas, you know, you get someone that maybe they also have joint pain, but they're super hot and inflamed and dry and their tissues are agitated and irritated and all dried out. And you take that hot, dry turmeric and boy, it just agitates that constitutional pattern right and so this is it's a so uh, you know i know i'm giving a really long answer to this question but there's a lot to it because it's a whole the thing is is that we have to approach herbal medicine from a totally different orientation than we approach um 
oftentimes, um, you know, just symptom management and symptom treatment or the way a doctor looks at us, right? We go to the doctor, we say, hey, I got a headache. And they're like, all right, here's this pill for this headache or just take some aspirin. It's like, that doesn't work as an herbalist, right? And, and you know, we have to, for the most part, I would say most herbalists don't want to just put Band-Aids on symptoms, right? If we, we want to put Band-Aids on symptoms, we can just go to the drugstore. For most of us as herbalists, we want to work with plants in a way that is going to heal people, right? It's going to get into the root cause of that symptom, like what's behind the symptom, that the symptom is just a superficial expression of something deeper going on in the body. And so uh, from a holistic or vitalist perspective on healing, we want to uh, see beyond the symptom. We want to see what is the root cause of that. And then we want to administer not just our plants, but our whole therapeutic protocol with diet or nutrition and lifestyle and, you know, using our minds and different types of techniques to heal ourselves. We want to orient all of those to that root cause um, so that we're not suppressing the symptom, but we're, we're, we're cutting it at its root and thereby bringing about the, a, a deeper level of healing that I think is is the level of healing people out there want. Um, and, and, and that level of healing is beyond just our body. It's beyond just, oh, I've got this annoying symptom or this really severe symptom. Uh, I think that level of healing gets into, you know, the emotional side of our, our life, our psychological side of our life even into the spiritual side of our life because we're a whole person right that you can't separate our mind from our body from our emotions from our spirit because we're we're just one being we're just whole under who we are and um i think a holistic approach to herbal medicine should approach the whole person not just the physical side so so anyways, that's kind of a little a little bit on um, what I see as kind of being uh, some of the core maybe myths or, or approaches to herbalism that I think are really important for people to kind of catch early on um, so, it, it so you can change your orientation and how you think about a plant and how you think about a person um, into more of a holistic orientation and not so much in an allopathic orientation. Yes, it's such an important paradigm shift. It really, it's so much more intelligent and all-encompassing to look at it in that way rather than like, you know, as you said, so much of modern medicine is just symptom management. It's just Band-Aids. It's not long-term mm -hmm healing or helping really in any way. Um, and I definitely, when I started, I was working at the Sacramento Natural Foods Co-op in the wellness section, just because I just felt called like to learn more about ways of healing the body and plants. And I was definitely just like, what, mm. what's this pill good for? You know, what's this herb good yeah. <laughs> for? I have this symptom. What should I take for that? And it took years and years for me to understand how limiting that approach and that viewpoint was. And your work has certainly helped me to, to make that shift. Um, and I really like in your book, 
evolutionary herbalism, you have this great breakdown of sort of like um, phases that herbalism has gone through throughout history, indigenous, vitalist, Mm. molecular, and evolutionary. Would you mind just breaking down those four phases briefly? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, from my perspective, uh, you know, I was really thinking about like, (laughs) what is herbalism, right? Like just really kind of stepping back and looking at what is this thing that we call herbalism? I was like, oh, well, this is, you know, the way uh, it it is uh, a a specific way in which human beings relate to the plant kingdom, right? In, in, In the context of healing. And when I was really thinking about, well, where did it all start? Will it all start between that that relationship? Was that first relationship between people and plants? And wow, that, that relationship between people and plants has changed a lot throughout time. And so I kind of see these different stages in terms of how herbal medicine unto itself has transformed throughout history. And so I'll kind of be begins with that, you know, what I refer to as maybe indigenous uh, herbalism or more folk uh, systems of herbalism. These are typically very regional specific um, approaches to working with plants. Um, Obviously, if we think of the very first human interaction with a plant, uh, they didn't have books (laughs) or, you know, colleges to go to or Google or anything like that, right? What did they have? They had their senses, they had their heart. They had uh, 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 their sensory faculties, really, um, in order to decipher the properties of those plants. And so that initial phase in the evolution of herbalism was really uh, focused on our direct relationship to the plants themselves and that we could learn about the plants from the plants themselves. And I think this is a critically important aspect of herbal medicine that we have to bring back, that we that we let go of our reliance upon Google and the internet and books, or even what people say, even what I say, even what all the experts say, even what every book in our library says, that's all good. I'm not saying to throw it all out, but we don't want it to replace us having an actual relationship with the, the living medicines that we rely on. Um, so I think that that's a, an important teaching from kind of that first phase of herbal medicine. And I don't have a, as much time as I'd like to do, there's a whole lot that could be said about each one of these phases. Um, but just for the sake of time, I'll move forward. So there we shift into what we might consider more vitalist um, developments in herbal medicine or what we might refer to as energetic systems of herbalism. So this is where we kind of see um, these very regional specific, um, more possibly spiritual orientations towards herbs, um, also being very practical at the same time. But we see that the more systems being developed, right? We see, uh, whereas uh, that first phase is very much oriented around the direct perceptions of the heart to people and plants and how the the whole orientation of herbalism is. Here in the vitalist phase, we kind of see this alignment between the heart and the mind where uh, more refined systems are created or schools or approaches 
to how medicine is is practiced. So this, these are really what we tend to consider the uh, the the traditions of herbal medicine that we can actually um, learn about in this modern world from you know, the Galenic Greek model to the Unani Tib system of the Middle East to Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, Tibetan medicine, eclecticism, physiomedicalism, etc. These are all um, systematized um, approaches to how to work with plants in a healing context. And here we see um, an approach that's understands that plants don't just necessarily heal through a spirit as many uh, of that first phase sees. Now, obviously, I'm making a lot of generalizations. Um, there's a lot of different approaches in that first evolution of herbal medicine. Um, but for the most part, we see here an under in the vitalist phase, we see an understanding that there is a vital intelligence within the body and there is a vital intelligence within the plant. And it is that vital intelligence, that ecology of the plant that shifts the ecology within the person that brings about its healing properties. Um, here we see not the, in these traditions, we really see a focus on treating the whole person. We see a need to understand the whole person, not just their symptom, um, and addressing that whole person through our therapeutic model. Um, over time, as uh, especially in the Western world, as our intellect is further refined and developed, and um, the we see a gradual, what I consider, desacralization of a lot of um, traditional approaches that were spiritual in nature. Um, you know, we see alchemy turn into chemistry. We see astrology turn into astronomy. We see herbal medicine turn into uh, drugs. Um, we see this gradual linear reductionistic scientific model um, kind of take hold of the world. And, you know, there's a, a period of time where herbal medicine, you know, essentially kind of disappeared in the early 1900s um, with the fall of um, some of the North American systems, physiomedicalism, eclecticism, homeopathy, all that became really unpopular and um, more conventional approaches, drug therapies just coming out. Everyone's getting really excited about drugs and we see this kind of biomedical model take root. And so that's what I see is that third phase in the evolution of herbalism is biomedical herbalism, right? Which is really what we see kind of more dominant today. Obviously there's people from all phases in this evolution working with plants, but you know, what we see is kind of the more standard orientation these days is that, well, plants have chemicals, humans are made of chemicals, and if you take these plants with these certain chemicals, they'll help your symptoms. Um, it's kind of the, the simplified orientation of it. Um, and, you know, and I say that with, um, you know, from the the perspective of someone who studied a lot of pharmacology, I have a, a degree in herbal sciences from Bastyr University, so I really love and appreciate that biochemical approach, um, you know, understanding the pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics of how plants function in the human organism is fascinating. It's amazing to know how a plant um, travels through the body and binds to different receptors and adjusts the physiological mechanism 
mechanisms within us. It's uh, uh, incredible. Um, but I think while that can be very useful and fascinating information, I think it can also be very limiting um, from a clinical perspective, right? Because no one's going to come to you and say, hey, um, you know, I feel like I need, you know, these certain enzyme levels to be increased in my body, or I feel like my cyclooxygenase is really imbalanced, or, you know, it's like no one's going to talk that way. And like most people don't think that way. Um, so, so the biomedical model, I think, is is helpful for us to understand how plants work. But um, as far as a clinical therapeutic model, I'm not sure it's the most helpful for the herbalist that wants to be helping other people with plants. And so then we move into the final phase, which is what I refer to as evolutionary herbalism, which isn't really anything new. It's just taking all three of those phases and, and seeing them not as being distinct separate, right? That, that, that they're just different approaches to the same thing, different lenses of seeing the world, you know, from a scientific lens to an energetic lens to a spiritual lens. They're all this, we're all looking at the same thing, just different, using different language. And so, um, so from my perspective and my approach to plant medicine, you know, we can equally talk about uh, biochemical constituents. And in the next sentence, we can talk about how a plant can facilitate in our spiritual growth and development. And in the next sentence, we can talk about how Ayurveda understands that plant, how Chinese medicine sees that plant, how medical astrology sees that plant, and see that there's a universality uh, in terms of how we look at and approach uh, a human being how we look at and approach a medicinal plant and that um, no matter what, what lens we're looking at them through, that there is a universal truth that's present there that we can draw upon so that we understand the, the true nature of a person, the true nature of a disease, the true nature of a plant, the true nature of how it heals us and, and, and not get too stuck on, um, you know, the means that we get to that truth. And so that's why I think um, what I see evolutionary herbalism as being a, a, an important uh, orientation because it helps to kind of dissolve the boundaries and the barriers and the, well, this is the right way of looking at it and that's the wrong way of looking at it. It's like, well, no, they're all good. <laughs> um, we just need to like get beyond the language barriers that I think human beings naturally kind of put up. Um, and not to mention that, you know, the, in the evolutionary model, you know, that these plants are equally powerful in their healing virtues to heal our body, our organ systems, our tissues, uh, while at the same time helping us to uh, move through um, that deeper level of healing that I all think we're put here on this earth to do, you know, the traumas that we have, the, the struggles that we experience in our hearts and in our minds, uh, the ways that we need to grow as a human on this earth, on this path that we're on, uh, that the plants can be supportive to that process for us. And I think, you know, you see that a lot too in herbalism, like, oh, you'll get people over here, herbalists over here that, you know, are really scientific or they're really clinical and they just work with symptoms in the body, you know. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you get Maybe more people that are, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, maybe a little more woo-woo in their herbalism, 
them right. And I don't say that in an offensive way, right? Because I'm woo to the max, but I'm also scientific to the max. Um, <laughs> uh, but you, right, where they're like maybe helping people more with their their mind or their emotions, and maybe they're working with more subtle forms of herbal medicine, like flower essences. Um, and I see that those two can come together, right? And that's the way I see the evolutionary herbalist is that we can strike a balance between all these seemingly different uh, perspectives and orientations. Um, so that's kind of how I see a little bit of those phases in the evolution of herbal medicine uh, itself. That's so brilliant. I love big picture historical thinking. And again, this just really speaks to your incredible ability to synthesize big ideas and bring them together. And that's what you're doing with evolutionary herbalism. <clears throat> and I just couldn't agree more that for what I have found for myself is that when I really truly start to heal something, it's because I am coming at it from a number of different angles. And oftentimes they're unexpected and there is the mythic mindedness, the emotions, the physical stuff, the movement, just, you know, such, such big things. I often say that healing is open-ended mm. and endless. So it's open-ended in that mm. we don't really, we can't be sure where it's going to come from and it comes in unexpected ways and we have to stay open to, to what comes up on that path. And it's endless because we never heal back into who or what we were. We're constantly healing into newer versions of ourselves, hopefully wiser versions of ourselves. Mm. And it reminds me of um, something that you say, which is to study healing is to study life itself. So can you expand on that? Mm. And in that too, with that, the word life in there kind of um, flesh out more what vitalism is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just want to, before I dig into that, I just want to say that I really like how you said that healing is, is endless, right? And it's, and it's that we're healing into better versions of who we are, new versions of our self. And, uh, and I think, uh, I think one thing about that, that, you know, that comes to mind is it, it's really easy for us to think in terms of like, Oh, our past, like, Oh, I'm this way because this horrible shitty thing happened in my childhood and I have to regress back there. I got to relive that, or I got to process that, or I got to going back, going back, going back. And it's good, you know, that can be good to an extent, right? It's like, it's important for us to acknowledge the areas of our life where we've experienced trauma, where we need to forgive ourselves, where we need to forgive other people, where we need to come to terms with what's happened and, and not let it adversely affect us. But I think there also comes a time where we don't have to go back there anymore, right? We just need to move forward. We need to vision forward into, well, who do, who and how do I want to be in my life um, from here on out, you know? So anyways, that's just kind of what you said was making me think about that. And I really agree with that. And I think I really like how you said that. That was really clever. Um, so anyways, um, the life, yes, healing. So to me, the, the herbalist, so one thing I always like to tell my students is that the herbalist is first and foremost and forever a student of nature. Because to me, as a, when we, as an herbalist, we're working with life. Um, we are working with the life of a person, you know, when someone is sitting in front of us and asking us for help, 
you know, they're talking about their life. They're talking about their struggles. They're talking about the things that they deal with that, you know, maybe make them um, suffer and struggle in their life and they want to feel better, right? They want things to be better. And so we're working with that person's life kind of on that big picture level, but on a deeper level, you know, we're working with the individual life of an organ system, you know, say they have a certain health problem in their stomach. Well, there's a life, there's an, a life force in that stomach. There's an intelligence in that stomach. There's a, an ecosystem there. There's an archetype in that organ system that is an expression of life that wants to find its own balance too within the greater ecosystem of the body. And so that's one way I like to think about the human being too, is that, is that yes, we have our life, but we're also composed of all of these organs and systems and tissues that have their own life um, that wants to be healed as well. And then we're looking at what are we using as our medicine, right? We're, we're working with these plants, these living, you know, I always like to think of plants as the living, healing intelligence of the earth, that, that the earth is alive, that the earth is intelligent and it, and it generates these plants grow up out of the soil and they have this life, right? And they're drawing in the life of, from the water. They're drawing in the life from the soil and the earth. They're drawing in the life and light from the sun and the moon and the stars. They're, the wind is blowing through them. You know, they're taking in all of this life around them and they're transforming it into this new form that just so happens to have this very profound effect upon us as people when we put it into our body, right? And so it's there's a, a transference of that life intelligence from nature into the plant and then from plant into the person. And to me, this is all it's all life, right? And so to me, the student of healing is a student of of life itself. And the way in which uh, the the human or organism is put together is a reflection of that life, right? Like I said earlier, you know, I think in more of that biochemical, biomedical model, we kind of see the human being as uh, a gear, right? Or a machine. Uh, whereas in more vitalist approaches to life and to healing and the medicine, we see that the human organism is like a garden or like an ecosystem or like a reflection of nature. You know, it's like our kidneys are like vast lakes and our lymphatics are like the oceans and our bones are like the Rocky Mountains, you know, and, and our lungs are like that wind that's moving um, all the different, you know, our blood, the way our blood flows through our bodies, like the rivers, every aspect of who we are is reflected in the natural world. And so we can understand health and disease simply by understanding nature. So, you know, that example I was giving earlier about um, how how turmeric is working, right? And, you know, you get people with, you know, different types of uh, joint pain, right? Uh, but maybe they all have joint pain, but underneath it, there's a different root cause that we in uh, Western traditional Western herbalism typically refer to as like a 
tissue state, right? It's like the constitution of a tissue um, in terms of it, how we oftentimes describe weather, right? Is it hot or is it cold? Is it wet or is it dry? Um, these are very traditional ways of understanding the human being and their relative excesses and deficiencies. And so uh, I, I love I, I, that's that's why I love constitutional systems because it really is just kind of how we describe nature and the weather and the seasons of like, you know, and like, it's like what people small talk about, right? Ah, it's really rainy out today and it's cold and ah, it's really hot and today, you know, it's like, well, it's kind of the joke, right? It's like everybody small talks about the weather and I'm like, right, because that's so much of our experience of life, right? Is like, how does it feel? feel how does that weather impact us right it's like yeah like for myself when i get when it's really hot and dry outside i start to feel really pissed off right it's like or you know here we are in in, in northwest washington and you know they talk about seasonal affective disorder right because it's cloudy and it's gray and it's cold and it's wet and that affects people's minds right well it's because it's because these energetic concepts of temperature and moisture are immediately impacting not just our consciousness and our mind, but our bodies. And so this is where, you know, studying life, studying ecosystems uh, is one of the best ways to understand how a medicinal plant works within us because plants grow in those ecosystems, uh, but also how a human organism can become imbalanced. So, you know, I think a really great example of this is like looking at water. You know, if we look at how water moves on the earth. You know, you think of what what makes a water a good, healthy water, you know, where it's like flowing, right? It's 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 contained and it's flowing where it's supposed to be flowing. Um, but, you know, sometimes there's situations where that water, maybe it starts to slow down and stagnate. What happens to water when it stops moving? Well, it slows and it stagnates and it becomes more prone to accumulating bacteria. You know, you think of a swamp and there's mosquitoes and flies and algae growing and it sometimes has that smell to it, right? Well, that can happen within the body. You know, we call it in Ayurveda, they call it like kappa. In Chinese medicine, they call it dampness. In Western herbalism, we call it damp stagnation, where the fluids have become stagnant and putrefy and become much more prone to infection and swelling. And uh, from an herbal perspective, it requires the, the uh, type of plants we refer to as alteratives or blood purifying plants to remove that stagnation and that toxicity from the system or you know you look at a desert you know you get that really dry cracked um earth you know in the desert and how everything kind of shrivels up you know you take a a plump fruit and you dry it what happens well it shrivels and it tightens and it wrinkles and it loses its uh its kind of plumpness right and it gets it gets weak right well that happens in our system too we get too dried out right and the tissues kind of start to shrivel and weaken and in western herbals are referred to as atrophy right and and there's a uh because that water delivers nutrients and and carries away waste products and it's what hydrates and gives life to that tissue when it gets really dry uh it starts to become weak and deficient right so this is 
I'm just p- trying to paint the picture of how nature reflects what's going on within our body. And this is, to me, one of the most important things for a holistic herbalist to do is to really be able to not just say, oh, this person has a cough, but well, what kind of cough is it, right? Why do they have that cough? Is it a really phlegmy, mucusy cough? Is it a really dry, hard, harsh cough? Um, because that's going to inform you what types of plants you want to use, right? Because if someone's really phlegmy and mucusy and damp, well, you don't really want to give them a bunch of marshmallow root or licorice root because those are really wet, wet herbs, right? Damp producing herbs. You want to use more of a drying, uh, kind of stimulating plant like lamatium or whorehound or different, uh, more stimulant expectorant type remedies so so it's the 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 ecosystem of the tissue becomes a central orientation for a vitalist practitioner of not just herbalism but just a vitalist practitioner of healing is we have to understand that what's the ecosystem behind the symptom and as soon as we can decipher what the ecosystem behind the symptom is the choosing what plant is going to be remedial for that person becomes much more refined, right? It's not, not just, oh, they have a cough. Well, pick a pick a herb that's good for the lungs. It's like, well, that's a lot of different plants, right? But when you understand, oh, this is a hot, dry cough, well, all of a sudden we just whittled down that list of 50 plants to maybe 20 or 10. Um, so this is a way of getting more precise and specific in what herbs we will find to be effective for a person. And that's really what gets us um, to kind of work through some of those issues of, oh, well, I tried this herb and it didn't work. Um, Oftentimes the reason behind the factor of, oh, I have this symptom, I tried this herb, it didn't do anything, is that, well, that wasn't the right herb for you or that herb wasn't uh, appropriately matched to the constitution of that person or the specific tissue state behind that symptom. So um, this is one of the main approaches for how we get much more specific and finding the right remedy for the right person, um, not just uh, kind of groping in the dark or picking herbs at random or just basing it off of, oh, well, these herbs are good for this symptom. Say herbalism is vast, and I love that about it. As like an endlessly curious person, there's just so many things you can learn, so many places you can go, so many ways to be an herbalist. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I think that maybe some beginners might feel a little overwhelmed by that vastness. And like hearing you talk, oh, for you sure. know, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are like, I'll never be as smart as Seja or know everything he does. But that is what is so just beautiful about the framework that you share with people is that like these correspondences between nature, between and the bodies and our, and the plants and everything. And you have lots of um, like visuals for this in your online course and in your books, your book um, makes it simple. It really does simplify something that seems so complicated and complex at first and just puts it in a language and in a framework that we that we know and that we've known since childhood. And you can really start to kind of drop the imposter syndrome around, um, I'll never learn all this stuff. Like, no, you will never learn all this stuff. Seja does not know everything there is to know about herbalism. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no one from, does. Far from it. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's endless, right? I mean, it's as endless as nature is. And and I think that's the thing is that it's easy for people to get super overwhelmed and with all this because, yeah, there is a lot to learn. And to me, it's like there needs to be a balance between your intellectual studies and your your ex- direct experience, right? And I, and I think there's a really unique uh, phrase in the English language where we talk about knowing something by heart. And I think that's a really interesting phrase, right? We've all heard that. Oh, we know it by heart. And then, but on, on the other side of that, we have like, oh, do you memorize something? And they're kind of similar, right? Like, but what's the difference between memorizing something and knowing something by heart, right? It's like when you know something by heart, it's integrated into who you are. It's it's a way of you've experienced something when you know it by heart. It's one thing to memorize that Oregon grape root and dandelion and gentian and mugwort are all bitter, right? But that's fleeting. Like you can forget that when you memorize it. But when you dig up dandelion root, you dig up gentian root, you dig up organ grape root, you you pick some mugwort leaf and you and you put those all in your mouth and you experience it. Now, you know it by heart. You'll never forget that. And I think one of the reasons why I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with studying herbalism is a they just focus on intellectual studies. They read books, basically <laughs> read books, go to workshops, go to conferences Um, Which is great, but I think our intellectual knowledge has to be balanced with our experiential understanding. For myself, like I don't just want – I don't want knowledge of plants. Like knowledge is great. I want understanding because understanding when worked with over time turns into wisdom. And I would much rather be a wise herbalist than a knowledgeable herbalist. And so I think there's a need for the intellectual knowledge, the experiential understanding. Um, I also think one of the reasons a lot of people get overwhelmed when it comes to studying herbalism is because they don't understand, they don't have a framework. They don't have a pathway for study. They don't know what the different stages of development are. Like what, what does it mean? How do you know when you've moved beyond just like a a beginner level to maybe more of an intermediate level. And what are the things that you need to learn and understand in order to move from one phase of development to another phase of development, right? Most people don't talk about that. They don't take a step back and look at kind of uh, the, the overarching progression um, are the stages of development of an herbalist. And this is something that I've thought of a lot and really strive to incorporate into my teachings so that we can know where, where we are. Right. And then what we need to do and learn and understand and integrate in order to move to that next level on our plant path. So that's something that I've really thought about a lot. And I think really just what comes down to frameworks, right? Like what are the things like, okay, here's the things that you need to understand. Um, and, and experience uh, in order to be solid and stable in this level of development so that then you're ready to take on that next level of, of challenge, basically, <laughs> um, to get to that point where – and, you know, like you said, there's a lot of different kinds of herbalists. You know, my approach is generally – um, wanting to teach people how to help other people with plants. Um, I, 
I think that always starts with helping yourself and healing yourself um, so that you can have that experience um, yourself and then therefore cultivate trust uh, in the plants and um, have an unshakable faith and belief in the power of the plants. Um, But ultimately, my goal is to teach people how to be able to um, work with the plants to help out, you know, their friends, their family, their community, their clinic, um, so that um, just more and more people are getting healed through the plants, basically. (laughs) Yeah. And I, my brand of herbalism is more just of a home herbalist. I use plants for myself and my family every day. And then as someone who brings different minds together to talk about this on this podcast and someone who shares resources around herbalism. Um, So I'm not a clinical herbalist. I don't I don't help people one-on-one, you know, my friends call me and sometimes I can help them a little bit, but I just never felt called to that. And yet mm-hmm. I have gained so much from your teachings and your, your frameworks, as you said, because yeah, we can, we can memorize these long lists of things, but there's, that's a lot of effort and takes a lot of time and really usually doesn't stick very well. But when we have the right framework, yeah, totally. Yeah, the right framework in place Mm -hmm. for taking in information, suddenly everything can just fall into place. And yeah, like that, that knowing of the heart, the, um, you write about that in your book, Gnosis Cardiaca. Um, Mm -hmm. just, just as you were saying, like the frameworks can shift things in such a way that suddenly information that before seemed unknowable or like too much is just right there and is living in your very cells. So thank you for Mm -hmm. helping people to learn in that way. Mm. You're welcome. Thank you for taking it in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, on, on that note, let's share about, so you've got your book, evolutionary herbalism, uh, science, spirituality, and medicine from the heart of nature. So if you guys are into what Sage talked about, I mean, this is so thorough. I've, I really feel like this is like a reference book. You know, this is something I come back to again <laughs> and again and again. Um, and all, you know, there's images and these tables of correspondence. And there's there's so much to this book. Um, and then you have numerous online courses too, but the one that I have taken, and again, I, I feel like this online course, which is available to people forever, it drives me crazy when people have online courses that they only give you limited access to, because I feel like your course oh, yeah. is like, I I, swear, I was just looking at one this morning and I was like, what? I lose access after a year. Why would you do that to me? Um, right. <laughs> I return to your course again and again as a reference, you know, like, yeah. Oh, what was that thing Sage just said there? What was that resource that he shared there? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, even though, again, the course, the Vitalist Herbal Practitioner Program is not focused or is more focused on helping people help other people um, in a clinical setting or however they're doing it. For me, it's like a personal health reference library. <laughs> yeah. You know, whenever anything totally. comes up oh, for totally. me or my family, I'm like digging right into your section on that organ system. Mm. hmm Yeah. Yeah. And that's really the way I designed it to be, you know, is like kind of a digital video audio audio reference book in a way, right. That's Uh just easy to find everything that you need. Oh, this thing comes up. Oh, you got a client that's got 
this going on or you yourself have this going on you can go right to that section go to that area and and learn everything that you need to know in order to 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 help yourself your friends your family right and i thought that's the thing you know is to me if you're helping someone with herbs that to me is clinical right it doesn't mean that you got a lab coat mm-hmm. on or you got an mm-hmm. office in town you know if someone says hey i got this health problem can you help me out and you're like oh yeah here let's talk for a little bit well you're in a clinical uh, uh setting in that moment right yeah. so i know that word cl- cl- the word clinical freaks a lot of people out but i just see it now ah, if you're helping someone out with the plant that to me is clinical totally yeah it's like it just it feels like having this amazing mentor right at my fingertips at all times um and so i absolutely love the course and it's coming up soon you know i'll have the link in the show notes but Maybe you can tell folks about the um, the free mini course that you and your wife, Whitney, give away to people as sort of a preview to the larger course. And this is just, again, mm-hmm. so relevant to anyone wondering, what's my next step on the plant path? You know, and this, I just, mm-hmm. you were talking earlier too about, um, you know, when someone's sitting in front of you and the, the whole cough dynamics, you have a, the second video on that is just so brilliant. So yeah, please tell us about these uh, three videos. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, for us at School of Evolutionary Herbalism, you know, me and my wife, um, we really believe that herbal medicine should be accessible to anyone and everyone, uh, regardless of, you know, just where they're at, Um culturally, financially, et cetera. So we really put a lot of effort into spreading as much information um, out there as we can for free. So that's why we have our our blog and our podcast. And um, every so often we do these a little bit more in-depth free uh, mini courses around a particular subject. Uh, so this one you're referring to is we call it the Vitalist Herbalism mini course, and it kind of touches upon some of these core dynamics that we've been talking about uh, throughout uh, our discussion today in terms of, you know, what does a holistic vitalist approach to herbal medicine look like, um, you know, really addressing some of those core Um, I think myths that a lot of people carry and how to shift their perspective and orientation of herbal medicine so they don't fall into what I refer to as the allopathic herbalism trap, which is really a mindset thing. Um, In the mini course too, I also lay out a pretty solid framework for how to work with people. You know, again, that could just be a way of thinking about your own health concerns or maybe someone, a family member or friend. So really thinking through how do you work with a person? What are the questions you need to ask? How do you not get totally lost in the intake process? Like what's the information that you need to know about a person in order to determine what what are the right remedies to give them? Um, And then also uh, in the third video, really dig into the process of formulation. A lot of herbalists wonder about How do you combine herbs together? What are the layers of a formula? How do you think through uh, customizing an herbal protocol for a person? And so that third lesson in there really goes into kind of the pillars of strategic formulation and how to go about doing that in a way that is beyond just throwing a bunch of er random herbs in a bottle and hoping that it's going to work, but really... um, combining and blending plants together in a way that has a a deeper level of strategy 
behind it. So this is something that um, we offer to the herbal community for free. We generally do these mini courses annually. Um, and uh, it's just something that we're really passionate about. And we really love to support people on their plant path um, with these mini courses. And uh, I'm really proud too of the, uh, that we also kind of created a workbook that goes along with it um, that people can download and print off um, some pretty in-depth notes and activities and things like that to kind of help you work through some of the concepts and practices that you learn uh, throughout the mini course. Yeah, I find that so helpful, you know, to take in information through different vehicles. So there's your videos, which are long, by the way. <laughs> mini course doesn't yeah. mean these are like 10 minute videos. They are really long and in depth. And then to also have the visual of the handouts there. And especially with like the um, pillars of strategic formulation, the third lesson, you have a beautiful graphic that really just, mm. you know, immediately like hits like, oh, I, okay, I see now. I see what he's talking about. I see like the smartest way to um, to formulate my medicines. And I have personally found that lesson so extremely helpful in formulating my own medicines. Good, nice. That's the goal. Yeah, we really like these to be um, in depth, right? I mean, I think it's called a mini course, you know? We really like you to be able to get some solid takeaways and good teachings that you can put into use now and not just a little teaser that makes you just wanting more, but not enough that you can do anything with. We really like to provide some solid content that you can put into use and action right after you're done watching the video. So, yeah, exactly. And yeah, you guys, you do give away so much good information to people. Sometimes I really stop and think about like how many hours you must have sat behind a computer building everything you've built, <laughs> writing everything you've written, doing your podcast, writing your book. Um, and it's, it's really amazing. And it's, it truly is a gift to the herbal community. Um, oh, thank you. So the name of the podcast is the plant path and yeah, where else can people find you? Yeah. Uh, well, our, our main website, there's evolutionary herbalism.com. And, uh, as you mentioned, our podcast the plant path we also got you know youtube channel facebook instagram etc just search us at evolutionary herbalism and um yeah lots of free materials up all over there on the interwebs and um and of course our book can be found or my book can be found um on amazon or on uh the north atlantic book website if you want to buy it directly from the publisher and i'm super excited to announce that an audiobook is going to be hopefully coming out this year 2020 for uh for evolutionary herbalism so it's a pretty exciting piece of news i just got the other day so i'm That's looking great. forward to that are you gonna I'm be a narrating? big audiobook guy yeah i'm not you know they tend to like to get professional narrators yeah um I kind of wanted to, but I was like, you know, honestly, <laughs> I've read this book so many times. I mean, that book was a serious <laughs> undertaking. Yeah. I've read that book probably 10, 12 times already. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't really want to read it anymore. I'm just going to be midway through and I'm going to see the like, oh, there's that sentence that I couldn't figure out how to write better, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, it'll totally. Probably, it'll probably be better for, uh, <laughs> for someone with a little bit of a, probably a nicer voice to listen to than mine too. So, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be fun. That is really exciting. Um, yeah, because sometimes you just got to take that information in through your ears if you're driving in the car or whatever. You know, it's it's 
I love, I love audiobooks and podcasts. So speaking of, thank you so much, Seja, for being on my podcast twice now. Oh, you're welcome. It's a real honor to be here. And I just really appreciate everything that you're sharing. You know, um, we listen to your podcast quite a bit in our household here. And um, it's just really cool hearing all the different knowledge and wisdom that you share through this channel and all the uh, incredible hearts and minds that you connect people to through your work. So it's, it's really, really incredible. And I just am really appreciative of that. And thanks for having me as a guest. It's a real honor to be here. Okay. I hope you are feeling deeply inspired and excited and ready to move forward without any imposter syndrome, any old untrue story that the plant path is not for you. So as promised, here are my top five reasons to be an herbalist. One, you always have a skill or a medicine to gift or trade. This is huge. Whenever you meet a special new person or see something you'd like to acquire or find yourself in a situation where someone is in need, you have something both magical and useful to offer. A bottle of medicine offered as a gift or a trade and or knowledge of healing ways are always welcome and appreciated by others. Two, you get to live out the mythic archetype of the healer or the medicine person or whatever you want to call it. Okay, maybe you haven't always been intrigued by the old witch in the forest or the great wizard in the castle, but I sure have been. From Baba Yaga with her mortar and pestle to Aragorn, a mere mortal, using Athelas to heal Frodo's wound, this is an ancient human archetype that resonates for many of us, and getting to embody it brings pure joy. Forgive my poorly pronounced Elvish there, y'all. <clears throat> Three, so much money saved on healthcare. I have been able to take care of every single issue my daughters have had at home for 13 years now. To be clear, we've gotten diagnoses and misdiagnoses from doctors once or twice, and I will happily take them in if something is ever beyond my scope. But so far, every illness, ailment, and injury has been easy for me to tend to at home with some basic home herbalism. Not to mention the preventative money-saving aspects of living an herbal lifestyle. Four, being outside, getting your hands dirty, and communing with flowers is scientifically proven to make you happy. This is one of those modern science proves a common sense notion kind of thing. Humans evolved being outdoors and direct communion with nature most of their days. We are biologically identical to those ancestral humans and still benefit enormously from having the sun on our face and the dirt under our fingernails and the scent of plant volatile oils in our nostrils. The herbal life is an antidote to modern common ailments such as depression, anxiety, chronic pain, and so much more. Five, it's a growth industry. Interest in herbalism and natural healing is exploding right now, and that is not going to stop anytime soon. The Western medicine model, while incredibly useful for some things, diagnosis, surgery, emergency care, has failed massively when it comes to actually keeping people healthy in our daily lives. Herbalism, especially vitalist herbalism, is filling the hunger that increasing number of folks feel to return to a truly vibrant state of health and well-being. 
And there's so much more I could say, y'all. Like every time I think about this or just reading it now, I'm like, oh, plus this, plus that. I mean, there's just endless, endless reasons why it's just lovely to be in communion and relationship with plants. So the world needs more herbalists. The world needs you. You know, these are troubled times and troubled times call for potent healers. So, you know, if you're being called or not. This path isn't for everyone, but if your heart says it's for you, then be sure to check out the free videos if you hear this before sometime in early February 2020, the Vitalist Herbalism mini course. You will learn so much and just benefit so much from this framework that Seja has laid out. And if it's past that period, then check out the Vitalist Herbal Practitioner Program, and I will have the correct link in the show notes here, depending on what time of year it is, what program is available, and of course, we'll have links to just all of Sage and Whitney's stuff, so you can take it all in and benefit so much. Um, you know, when I first decided to pursue herbalism, it was such a leap. I had a baby. I was broke. Everyone thought I was crazy. Um, I borrowed money. I drove two and a half hours with my baby in the car one way (laughs) to get to class. But I just, I felt the call. I just trusted it. I just couldn't not follow this pathway that was singing to me. And I'm so glad I did. And I am going to leave you with maybe my favorite quote ever. Of course, it's Rumi. (laughs) So cliche, but so, of course, um, amazing and good. And there's a reason we all love him. Let yourself be silently drawn by the strange pool of what you really love. It will not lead you astray. Thank you for taking these medicine stories in. I hope they inspire you to keep walking the mythic path of your own unfolding self. I love sharing information and will always put any relevant links in the show notes. You can find past episodes, my blog, and our handmade herbal medicines at mythicmedicine.love. We've got reishi, lion's mane, elderberry, mugwort, yarrow, redwood, body oils, an amazing sleep medicine, heart medicine, earth essences, so much more, more than I can list there, mythicmedicine.love. While you're there, check out my quiz, which healing herb is your spirit medicine? It's fun and lighthearted, but the results are really in-depth and designed to bring you into closer alignment with both the medicine that you're in need of and the medicine that you already carry and can bring to others. If you love the show, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash medicine stories. It is so worth your while. There are dozens and dozens of killer rewards there. And I've been told by many folks that it's the best Patreon out there. We've got ebooks, downloadable PDFs, bonus interviews, guided meditations, giveaways, resource guides, links to online learning and behind the scenes stuff, and just so much more. The best of it is available at the $2 a month level.
Thank you. And please subscribe on whichever app you use. Just click that little subscribe button and review on iTunes. It's so helpful. And if you do that, you just may be featured in a listener spotlight in the future. The music that opens the show is by Marie Sue. That's M-A-R-I-E-E-S-I-O-U-X from her beautiful song, Wild Eyes. Thank you, Marie. And thanks to you all. I look forward to next time.